Chris Magnus, Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and <clears throat> one thing that I hope has become pretty apparent to anyone who's listened to this show for any great length of time is that in addition to comics, movies, and TV shows, one of my... One of my favorite uh, hobbies, I suppose, is music. I love music. And one of the things that I think is kind of undeniable about, uh, you know, music and songs and all this stuff is every once in a while you, you hear a song that has an amazingly well thought out line, you know, like a, like an amazing set of lyrics. And sometimes it can be an entire set of lyrics or sometimes it's just one line of lyrics, but you know, either way, it's, it's just, it's a really good line. And the song that I guess started off this episode, this is a, a Dream Theater song from their album Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory. The song in question is called uh, uh, Home, right? And the, the line that's always stood out to me about that song is, Victoria watches and thoughtfully smiles. I don't know why, because I mean, when you think about it, that line is, it's not really saying a whole lot, but for some reason, it's always just stood out to me, right? And for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, the album Scenes from a Memory, which I expect is probably most of you, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the album, though, uh, this is, it's a concept album, and it's kind of a murder sort of, sort of mystery, I guess. And maybe the, see, that's the thing. I, you know, it's like the instant I say that, though, I mean, is this, Is it really a mystery? I don't know. But basically, the shtick of it is... um, Well, obviously, it's about murder. But basically, somebody who lives in the modern day undergoes a form of hypnosis therapy where he remembers his past life and remembers his murder at the hands of somebody else. And, you know, there's a bunch of shit that comes out of that. And, you know, I think it's hard enough to tell a story with an album just anyway but to tell a murder mystery you know a story to tell a story as a murder mystery and then include a twist at the very end as this actually technically two twists now that i think about it there are actually two twists in in the album that's i think very clever you know i mean that's there's a lot of creativity that that goes into that and even so, I mean, like, this is an album that's full of, um, at least in my opinion, you know, amazing uh, performances and some amazing songs. And I would also say some really good lyrics, but even among all of that, you know, all these different lyrics and stuff, Victoria watches and thoughtfully smiles. I don't know why, but there's some... Because, like, w- when you listen to the album and you start understanding, you know, who Victoria is and what she's done, the decisions and stuff that she's made, she's really not a very good person, I don't think, you know? I mean, yeah, she was in kind of a bad situation, but at the same time, no one forced her to have an affair with her husband's brother, you know? She did that 
all on her own. And parts of, not all of the song Home, but certain parts of it are written from the standpoint of uh, Edward, right? Um, I guess her brother-in-law and lover. And that particular part of the song, Victoria watches and thoughtfully smiles, that's actually written from Edward's point of view. And I don't know why, but you know, you can, you can feel, or I guess you can hear the, the lust in this guy's voice. I mean, like everything that he sees in Victoria, uh, you know, just the, the passion and, and lust of it all, you know? And she's, this isn't really what we're hearing in, in like his part of the song. This is not necessarily who Victoria really is. This is the way he sees her, you know? And Victoria watches and thoughtfully smiles. And what is she watching and what is she thoughtfully smiling about? There are... You, you, you can make some, some conjecture on that, and it's kind of weird and creepy to think about. But, I, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes you, you gravitate toward a certain line in a song, or, 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 or just, you know, whatever, and there's not even like a any kind of a recognizable like rational cause for it or anything like that it's just something that for whatever reason it just stands out to you personally and i don't even know why but you know it's just i always thought of the kind of basically the way that i see victoria the way that she's presented on this album this is something that people she's somebody that people really should be afraid of meeting you know god forbid you ever come across somebody who's this much trouble in your life because yeah she could get you killed and she certainly gets her husband killed and I don't know it's just uh, I really dig this album I mean you know it I, I'm sitting here being all critical and, and whatnot of Victoria but I don't think we're supposed to like her as we listen to this album I mean yeah there's a tragic element of the fact that she was murdered and all of that but you know end of the day you know we all make our own choices in life and well she made hers but, like I say, this song, uh, Home, again, from the album Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory. Victoria watches and thoughtfully smiles. I don't know why, but that's just a fucking awesome line. I like that line in the song. So, anyway. Whatever you want to make of that, feel free. Now, just to kind of get into, I guess, sort of like the mission statement of this episode and what it's all about... Basically, there are a couple of different things that I want to talk about, none of which are really substantial enough to warrant an episode unto themselves. So I basically dropped everything into a blender, hit puree, and I'm pouring it all into, in, into this episode of Trentus Magnus, Jab's Reality. So anyway, moving away from Dream Theater, a couple of, I want to say it's probably like a week ago or something like that, Word reached mine ears of a new uh, uh, YouTube Red show that's coming pretty soon called Cobra Kai. And the shtick of the show is that it's basically a continuation of the Karate Kid movies, or at least the first two movies, or maybe even just the first movie. I mean, no one really seems to know too much. But it's basically Daniel catching up with Johnny after all these decades apart from one another and 
I presume, the shitstorm that's going to ensue from all of that. And this is kind of auspicious timing, really for a number of reasons, but probably the most obvious, at least for me, is due to the fact that I was kind of in a, in a Karate Kid sort of mood to begin with anyway. You know, I bought uh, the uh, Karate Kid movies off of YouTube and was basically working my way through a marathon when, by sheer coincidence, this YouTube Red uh, show, Cobra Kai, it's not even that it was announced, it's that I found out about it, you know? And it's, it's kind of like that scene from Mallrats where Banky is kind of wondering how the hell is a, a, an in-store appearance by Stan Lee not already on my radar? Why am I only finding out about this on the day? And, well, the real answer for that is that it's more interesting for the movie if Brody is only just now finding out about it on the day, you know? So that's probably the real reason. Now, since I'm not in a movie, since I live in real life, I don't know why I didn't find out about this sooner. I just know that I did not find out about this sooner. <clears throat> but it is kind of interesting sometimes how, like, the fanboy muse and news coming out of whatever uh, franchises that you're interested in, how they can sometimes intertwine with one another. And that seems to be what's going on here. You know, I'm kind of interested to tell you the truth of you know like where things might go with this Cobra Kai uh, uh, YouTube Red Show and you know, for those of you who don't know I am not a YouTube Red customer I don't really know a whole lot about it the one thing I know is that Cobra Kai is coming to YouTube Red and so I can't help thinking that you know this could be it you know this could be the killer app I need in order to get into YouTube Red, and I don't know. I mean, anyway, I'm seriously thinking about it. Is the point? In fact, I say I'm think I'm probably going to become a YouTube Red customer just in time for Cobra Kai. And once I've watched all of the Cobra Kai episodes, I don't love my chances of mm, remaining a YouTube Red customer. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I don't know. But I'm really up for the game, really interested to see what's coming. It's basically, I forget the actor's name, but the guy that plays Johnny in the first Karate Kid movie and Ralph Macchio both are coming back, and it just looks like it could be a lot of fun. So, anyway, I'm not predicting anything, but I am going to warn you guys in advance that you maybe shouldn't be too surprised if I do a show or three about... Cobra Kai. And honestly, you know what? Come to that. I may end up doing some shows about the Karate Kid. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, right? Uh, but Magnet, but Magnet, you already did a show about the Karate Kid Part 3, so that one's off the table. No, actually, it's not. For those of you who don't know, the policy that I'm abiding by is that if, if I did a show about something in the first mm, 150 episodes of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality... I reserve the right to revisit any of those subjects at any time with anybody for any reason, right? I've made my peace with that. You guys should probably do the same. So, like I say, I may do some Karate Kid shows about the Karate Kid movies. And if I do, don't be too surprised if one of those shows is about the Karate Kid Part 3. You've been warned. Anyway, so apart from the Karate Kid... Uh, uh, the Karate Kid stuff. 
One of the things that's going on right now that a lot of you have probably heard about is basically Mark Zuckerberg, the chairman and CEO of Facebook, is in, I would say, some pretty deep shit with a lot of people. And honestly, I don't care to get too political about this, but there is a like a vaguely political connection that's going on here. And putting aside, you know, I guess the political aspects of this, you know, one of the main things that's become kind of an issue is how Facebook exploits people, their data, and what they do with it, how they profit by it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this has actually triggered the first major backlash against Facebook, at least that I can think of. And guys, there are people out there who are a lot smarter than I am who are saying this might not be the death of Facebook as such, but it may, this may be the moment when the worm turns. Because when you think about it, I mean, Facebook is really too big to go away, at least anytime soon. But, you know, it is pretty much the undisputed champ of social networking. And it does kind of make you think, you know, what what might happen if Facebook just withers, right? And honestly, no one's really qualified to say, but the backlash that, that's come out of all of this, you know, guys, I remember telling people like years and years and years ago that, guys, you need to be careful about the shit that you put on Facebook because this is an information gathering scam and people are basically having their information sold to God knows who for God knows what. And you've freely given Facebook this information. No one can say that you are compelled or coerced to do this. And, you know, I remember that people would laugh. They would laugh at me whenever I told them this. And the thing is, like, fucking nobody's laughing anymore, you know? People are actually starting to take this seriously. And it's apparently it's a big enough deal that, like I say, people are starting to think that this could be the moment when the the withering of Facebook begins, you know? And there's a lot of... Ugh, I don't know, speculation, I guess, about, you know, where things are going to go from here. And the big theory that everybody's operating from is that probably most people are going to migrate and move over to, to Instagram, right? And guys, I just need to tell you something just like right now up front. If, all right, if... Facebook basically loses its viability and potency in the social network marketplace. Guys, I think I'm out. You know, I think that's the end of me on all of these different social networks and whatnot. Because assuming that AOL counts as a social network, and I kind of think maybe it should, I've been doing this shit for 20 years, guys, and I think I'm kind of done with it. You know, I mean, I've I've had enough. The fact is, you know, this is a story that doesn't really get told a whole lot, but I resisted going on to Facebook for a very long time. And in the end, the main reason that I did it, signed on to Facebook, is because I wanted to uh, catch up with a friend of mine. And, you know, not to go too far into, you know, my friend's personal life or my, my personal life really for that matter. But basically what happened was I found out that this friend of mine, uh, she'd lost her husband, you know, and it was 
kind of sudden and very unexpected. You know, she was, you know, married and relatively happily so, as far as I know, uh, one day. And then the next day, fucking her husband is dead, you know? And she and I had been friends, you know, ever since we were, we were in high school. And me and her husband, we... Suffice it to say, he and I were not friends. Um, in fact, you, there was a point when I kind of considered the guy to be kind of like my mortal enemy. You know, there was a time when you got to understand I was a little bit more dramatic as a as a teenager, right? But this guy, um, you know, he was he was that much older really than I was, and you know, he he basically uh, he. I want to say he was like three years, four years older, whatever, three or four years older than I, he was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. All right. So whatever that works out to. And, you know, he he and I had gotten into a conflict with one another when I was younger. And then he ended up winning the fight because <laughs> he like he was that much older than I was. And then on top of all of that, you know, this girl that I was dating, you know, kind of off and on, uh, you know, when I started up in high school, well, it was off and on, right? And, you know, one weekend when it happened to be off, you've got, a, you've got an imagination. Use it, right? Stuff happened between those two. And it's like, anyway, so, and now, now the guy's dead, you know? And so, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, he and I didn't exactly get along all that well, can't imagine why, um... A friend of mine still lost her husband, and who knows, maybe she needs a friend now, you know? So I'd like to think there's a time and there's a place when you need to kind of put your own personal bullshit aside and just be there for a friend when they need it. And, you know, I mean, we hung out, you know, and, you know, got coffee a couple of times and got dinner a couple of times, you know, and, you know, it, it, it was all right. But I needed to get, I needed to sign up on Facebook just to make contact with her. So whatever, I bit the bullet and I did it. And after that, it's like people that I know in real life realize, holy shit, Magnus is on Facebook. I'm going to friend request him. And so here we are. Like I say, never really wanted to be on Facebook to begin with, but this is the hand that I've been dealt. And whatever, I mean, you can do some fun stuff on Facebook, so... It's all good, I guess. But, you know, now that Facebook, this could finally be sort of end of the line for Facebook. You know, guys, I got to tell you, I think this is probably going to be the end of the line for me, too. I mean, I'm I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm probably going to continue making Trinus Magnus punches reality, at least for a little while longer. I just won't be on, you know, social networks quite as much in order to do it. And I mean, this is one of those things that, you know. I, like, I'm not trying to be, like, overly dramatic about it or anything like that. It's just, I'm just kind of done. You know, this is not fun anymore. It's not cool anymore. And I've just, I've I've had my fill of it, is basically what it comes down to. So, you know, uh, assuming this great migration happens from Facebook to Instagram, don't bother looking for Trinus Magnus because I'm probably not going to be there, is what I'm thinking. So... Anyway, so that's that stuff. Now, the last thing that I wanted to talk about here, normally I would save this for an episode of uh, Trinus Magnus Punches Reality 
like proper, but it it is kind of timely, and so I don't wait. I, I don't want to wait like a year or more before I talk about this. I got an email a couple of days ago from a listener and friend, and I just got. I, I want to go ahead and work my way through it right now, and basically this this email was sent in by a. Uh, by my friend, uh, Tom Panarese. Now, for those of you who don't know, Tom Panarese is, uh, he, he, uh, runs the, uh, the webpage, uh, popcultureaffidavit.com. And there's a, uh, podcast related to it as well, which is also called pop culture affidavit. And just to kind of give you an idea of the types of stuff that, uh, that, uh, Tom Panarese has, uh, talked about in, I don't know, recent weeks, there's an entry on the blog. And uh, this is a kind of a from the archives kind of a thing. It's actually very old, and Tom is just reposting it. I can't say now, but it was a couple of weeks ago, March the 11th, 2018. And he talks about Coke 2, right, or New Coke. And this is the kind of stuff, somewhat, that that Tom talks about both on his blog and on his podcast and all of this is kind of a long way of saying that you need to go to popcultureaffidavit.com. You need to read the blog, but you also need to listen to uh, the podcast. Again, Pop Culture Affidavit. The reason for that is this really is one of the best podcasts that's going right now. Uh, the, the shtick of the blog and the podcast is that Tom basically takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, and then he analyzes it. In fact, uh, what it says is on the About This Blog section, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, a dear friend once said to me, it's a lot of fun when everyone's a dork of some sort or another. As I look back on my life as a dork, and this is all written from Tom's point of view, you understand. As I look back on my life as a dork, I realize that not only have I geeked out, but not in the right way. My taste, you see, isn't great. But instead of hiding from that, I've decided to embrace it. Part commentary part memoir, this is an exploration of my weird love for the obscure and for those things that sort of suck. And I, I don't know. I mean, he and I are going to, I guess we just have to disagree about what sucks and what doesn't. But the point is, uh, Pop Culture Affidavit, both as a blog and as a podcast, they're both some of the best blogs and podcasts that are going right now. You need to read and listen to both of them. So anyway, now getting into Tom's email, this was actually sent yesterday, March the 23rd, which is Friday. So Friday, March the 23rd, 2018. Subject line says, Personality Tests, The Scarecrow, and Bullies. Tom writes, <clears throat> Magnus, I've been listening to your Caped Crusades episodes as well as your Trinus Magnus Jabs reality related to your Myers-Briggs personality test. I'm not going to comment too much about the Batman stuff except to say that I'm really enjoying it. You seem to genuinely like these comics, and that is coming through. I'm going to put uh, Tom's email on pause and say, uh, thank you very much, uh, Tom, especially coming from you. That's kind of high praise, because the uh, that uh, that mega series that you did about uh, 1994 on Pop Culture Affidavit, wow. So if there's anyone that you know I'm happy to accept praise from when it comes to like a series of stuff... Yeah, you're pretty much it. So thank you very much. That that really means a lot, especially coming from you. So anyway, Tom goes on to write. Anyway, 
In the episode that you did about uh, the Batman annual that featured the origin of the Scarecrow, you went off on a tangent about bullying, and you mentioned how very often teachers are no help and can even add to the problem. Forgive me, and he opens a a parenthetical statement here. Open parentheses. Forgive me if I'm paraphrasing incorrectly here. Close parentheses. As a teacher, I'd like to respond to this. I'm going to put the email on on pause and kind of in mid-sentence like that and just say, yeah, Tom, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I... Don't remember every single little thing that I said, but I, but my sense of that episode is that you're actually paraphrasing it pretty accurately here. And, you know, Tom, I know that you're a teacher. I mean, you know, you've, you're pretty open about that, you know, on Facebook. Uh, you're open about that on your blog. You're open about that on your podcast. And, you know, there are other podcasters that are also teachers. And one of the fears that I had was that some of them might think that this was meant as like a passive aggressive, or even for that matter, just an aggressive uh, swipe against them. And so I'm glad that you, you, it seems like you understand where I'm coming from here and you don't take this as an attack on, on you personally. And so that's just, that's very gratifying to me. So that's very good. So anyway, getting back to Tom's email, As a teacher, I'd like to respond to this and say that not only did this not offend me, but I actually agree with a decent amount of what you had to say. Bullying, especially among teenagers, is a complex problem that is difficult uh, for me to fully discuss in the confines of an email. In fact, I think this could be the topic of a podcast episode, although I'm not 100% sure that either of our shows is the right forum for such a discussion. I'm going to put Tom's email on pause and say, you know, Tom... Um, as far as like an episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, which is supposed to be all about comics, movies, and TV shows, I can see where you're coming from. And as an episode of Pop Culture Affidavit, which takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, here again, I think I can see where you're coming from. But I don't really have, uh, I obviously don't have, you know, like a fixed format or dedicated subject matter or something like that for Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality. So I don't know. I mean, maybe at some point we can do an episode about... Uh, bullying because, you know, I didn't want to come right out and say so in, I forget which, it may have actually been, now that I think about it, you know, the the Scarecrow episode that I did. But, you know, basically I got tormented a fair amount when I was a kid. And, you know, my solution to that was just to punch the tormentor in the head. Now, there were times when that worked and there were times when it didn't. You know, in the main, I don't know if that was a necessarily positive. I mean, it was effective in as much as it solved my immediate problem. But Tom, I'm not going to get too far into this, but you've got an imagination. I'm sure you can figure it out. You know, um, when you punch one person in the head one time on one day, that creates other problems on other days. You understand? So, you know, I do think that there's fodder for discussion here. And, you know, I guess the angle that I would want to take, you know what, we can talk about that later. Um, Anyway, so getting back into uh, Tom's email, he goes on to say, I think this could be the topic of a podcast episode, although I'm not 100% sure that either of our shows is the right forum for such a a discussion. Anyway, I'll I'll try to be as succinct as I possibly can here. When it comes to bullying, there is a system and a culture in place that, while it purports to help those who are victims, it actually does more to protect bullies. This includes such things as zero-tolerance policies that are at best misguided, and at worst, 
harmful. Anti-bullying initiatives that are often half-assed and laughable. And a slew of administrators and teachers who are sometimes completely clueless and more often than not complicit in the harm that's coming to students. Some of these people, in fact, were or are bullies themselves, and the ones who aren't are often so poorly trained that they don't know what to do half the time. And yes, there are plenty of us in this profession who would rather put blinders on so the bullying does not become our problem. I have been guilty of this at times. But I will say that from firsthand experience, there are a number of teachers who hold back directly on intervening in bullying situations or fail to report everything to administration because the administration is impotent. I'm going to put Tom's email on pause and say, Tom, what I'm taking from this is that there are teachers who do nothing about bullying when they know for a fact that it's happening because they believe that basically the higher-ups, the principals and whatnot, they're basically toothless. When, it, when you come right down to it. And assuming that's true, you know, look, Tom, it would, it would really bother me, okay? It would bother the hell out of me, in fact, if, you know, you thought that I was painting with a little bit too broad a brush when I went on that big rant about bullying and fighting back and, you know, teachers don't give a damn and blah, blah, blah. Um, that would actually really bother me. I would, and if you came away thinking that, you know, and I, I'm not that you said that you did, I'm, but, you know, just, just by way of, you know, kind of setting the table for something else, I would think that I would owe you an apology, you know, uh, that's just the way that I look at it because, you know, the, the, the simple fact of the matter is, you know, I, I do kind of think that, um, I didn't necessarily cover all of the nuances, but there, you raise actually, I think a ridiculously good point here whenever you say that th there are times when fuck all happens because ultimately the teacher knows that the the higher ups aren't going to really do too much of anything to really solve the problem you know and you know i now that i think back on it i do kind of wish that i'd mentioned that in that episode i did but you know i i'm obviously i can't change the past but i do since you mentioned it here i do kind of wish i'd kind of brought that up before but whatever Woulda, shoulda, coulda. But it seems like you understood where, where I was coming from, so I think we're all right. But anyway, just want to throw that out there. Uh, Tom goes on to write, I once worked at a school where my principal was literally scared of angry parents. Bullies catch on to these things, and they very often have parents who will back them up and will take any chance they can to actually paint their own kid as the victim, not as the aggressor. And Tom, I'm putting your email back on pause here to say that, you know, I first read this yesterday when I was at work, and... Uh, basically, what happened was I'd gone outside to have a a, a, a vape uh, a vape break, and the first thing that I thought of when I read this part of the email was, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Tom, just let me know, and I'll post it to your Facebook or something. But there was this uh, viral video that uh, hit the scene. I want to say it was like a year ago or two years ago or or, or something like that, where this this big, uh, just kind of stout-looking, barrel-chested kid. I mean, he's built like a brick shit house, man. He was getting uh, tormented and kind of harassed by this by this uh, 
this kid that looked to be about the same age, but was just like that much smaller than he was, you know, he was that much smaller than the big guy who was actually the victim of, of all of this aggression and whatnot. And so the big guy eventually has enough of the little guy's shit, picks him up and then just like body slams the kid right back down to the ground. And, you know, what I heard is that the, the kid that got slammed, his parents went to the school and they, and, and, and they basically wanted to raise hell over the fact that little junior got, got his butt slung around like that, you know? And it's like, it didn't seem to register with them because presumably they saw the same video that all the rest of us did, but it's like, they didn't seem to grasp the fact that, you know, little, little junior boy was, he was the one that was starting all the trouble. I mean, and the other thing was, and, and, and Tom here again, if you have a different perception of this, that's fine. I understand that, you know, you're a teacher and, you know, maybe we, you know, you see a side of this that I don't, but you know, they're, I'm just going to be very, very real with you here, Tom, and say that, you know, the big kid didn't necessarily have to slam the little kid down to the ground. He could have just as easily wrestled that little kid down to the ground and then beat him to within an inch of his life with those giant fucking fists that he had. And he, and what I'm saying is he could have hurt the kid a lot more than he actually did. Because when you think about it, all he really did was body slam the kid, you know, and the kid got back to his feet relatively quickly. Whereas, you know, if, if, if the big kid had, uh, like just punched him in the face, like again and again and again and again, you know, yeah, that kid might be eating applesauce for the rest of his life, you know? And so I guess what I'm saying is those parents maybe need to be applauding the bigger boys restraint, you know, cause under the circumstances, I mean, you know, um, and uh, Tom, I don't, I don't know that you necessarily had the same experience of it that I did when I was growing up, but there was a point when I was like a really little boy that, um, you know, I had, you know, conflicts and all of this other stuff with, you know, uh, other boys that were, you know, the same age as me, but they were just bigger than I was. Right. And then you get into like sixth grade, seventh grade, and like puberty is really starting to happen now. And I was kind of an early bloomer and it hit me, you know, it's like, I woke up one morning, it's like, I'm starting to like really like physically mature and really grow into myself. My tormentors haven't. And Tom, I mean, it, it's hard to explain, but it's like, it's, it's like you wake up one morning and you have powers because you realize they're the ones that need to be afraid now. And if they ever try causing trouble for me again, I'm putting them down. And that's what ended up happening. I mean, I remember there was this one kid. His, well, shit, I probably shouldn't say his name. But there was this one kid who I guess didn't realize that the game had changed. Because he tried this shit with me. It took him, a, I'll give him credit. It took him a long time to work up the nerve. Or maybe it just took him a long time to remember my name. I don't know. But um, he basically tried to start something with me in front of his friends and let's just say that I took care of him, all right? And from then on, he never bothered me again because, you know, he was still, he still hadn't really hit the change yet, and I had. And he was not ready. Put it that way. He thought he was ready. <laughs> he was not ready. And it does, it, I mean, it just kind of makes you think that, 
you know, there's a lot to be said for restraint. And this is the point. There's a lot to be said, Tom, for, re, you know, restraining oneself. You know, the bigger kid did not necessarily give as as good as he got. You know, he gave that kid, the smaller one, he gave that kid one body slam. Now, I forget, but he probably got punched in the head like three or four times, right? And his way of answering that was one body slam. And that was it. And that pretty well ended the conflict, you know? And if you ask me, and this is my point, if you ask me, the bigger kid probably needs to get kind of pulled aside and said, dude, good on you for holding back. I mean, look, that kid is just fucking crazy strong, you know? And if he were to hit somebody as hard as he could, I don't know that that kid is not, whoever he hits, I don't know that they're necessarily going to get back up at least anytime soon, you know? And that little kid, uh, his parents basically went to the, went to the school and they raised hell about it, you know, like somehow, you know, little Johnny is the victim here. And it's like, did you guys just not see the same video as the rest of us? Because, you know, what I see is this one little kid who's trying to take advantage of a bigger kid who's probably been told his whole life, you know, you got to play gentle with everyone else. You don't want to hurt anybody. And this little bastard is, uh, basically trying to exploit that little psychological loophole and he had to pay the piper. And so, yeah, I mean, I absolutely believe that there are people out there who live in absolute fear of parents coming up to schools to start, to start some shit with them, you know? And so look, I mean, I get it, you know, uh, that this is a legitimate concern for anybody, but well, whatever I'm, I'm rambling. So anyway, <sighs> Getting back into Tom's email, because it's really supposed to be about him more than me. I won't talk out of uh, out of school too much, pun intended, but I, I have at least a few stories full of this type of bullshit. Compounding this is the binary thinking about bullying, that there are only bullies and victims. That is just as damaging. Such thinking doesn't acknowledge that uh, the many ways in which victims try to cope or compensate with what's happening to them. I guess the typical scenario would be that the person who is a victim of a bully, either A, ultimately stands up for him or herself non-violently or violently, which yes, can be appropriate in some situations, but don't worry, Tom, I won't tell anyone you said that. B, plays the game of it gets better and tests it out to graduation, or C, takes the path of self-harm or suicide, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to diminish uh, suicide or self-harm. These are serious problems, but... I'm making the point that it's typically expected or, quote, makes sense, unquote, on some level. What's very often not talked about is the way that some victims actually become bullies themselves. In other words, they treat me like shit, so I'll be a dick to you. And Tom, I'm putting your email back on pause and say, A fucking men. Because this is one of those things about, you know, bullying that, you know, you see all of this, you know, virtue signaling, grandstanding, just fucking retarded bullshit on Facebook of I stand against bullying you know it's like okay that's great but you know you, you it is possible to stand against you know bullies and the victim at the same time because sometimes not always but sometimes they are they really are the same person you know and you know I do think there's mojo to the idea that sometimes the bully is himself a victim and to tie it all back to that little prick that I was talking about a little while ago the one that I kind of had to teach a lesson to because I'd hit puberty and he hadn't. How, you know, some of you may have been, may have had that, uh, that warm glow of justice having been served whenever you found out that Magnus gave him what for. 
whenever uh, he tried to start trouble that last time. Well, how small do you think I felt whenever I found out much later on down the line that that kid was being horribly abused whenever he was at home? And it was so bad that his parents got a divorce and his mom ended up uh, taking him away because, you know, the, the boy... Basically, this is just not safe anymore. I mean, we're kind of past the point of, like, physical safety. You know, he's going to get hurt. And now it's more like he could die, you know? And... So, yeah, I mean, I stood up for myself one day, but what did I really accomplish, you know? And looking back at it, was that really the best I could do for that guy? No. I mean, if I had it again, I, I honestly don't know what I could do differently, but there's got to be something. Excuse me. <coughs> Actually, I've been talking so much, I'm going to get a sip off of my water here. Hmm. And want to get a uh, drag off my uh, my e-cig. So uh, getting back into Tom's email, because like I say, this is supposed to be about him really more than me. To acknowledge that would require that we as educators take a deeper look into the cultural issues at play. However, that's very difficult. Data might not be available. Measurable results might not be immediate. And it might not provide very many good PR opportunities. I'm just going to put the email back right back on pause and say, you know, Tom, you know, this is kind of its own little rabbit hole here. But, and again, I mean, please, dear God, do not take this as like an insult or disrespect or something like that, because I'm not going to do that in private, Tom, but I'm for damn sure I'm not going to do that talking to you directly. So in public or in private, you can be sure I'm not going to insult you or your profession. But what I will say, Tom, is I think it's kind of high time we start rethinking education. And I mean, from the ground up, everything, every assumption that we've made about education over the last, I should say, like 30-some-odd years. It's basically built on this kind of frontier model of, you know, people who are barely living inside of any kind of, I don't know, uh, civilized society themselves. You know, this very one-room schoolhouse type of, a, type of approach to things that we've, you know, I mean, we've polished it, we've added to it, you know, we've, we've created new you know, sort of new expansions to it and whatnot, but fundamentally, we've never really moved away from the one-room schoolhouse approach to education. And I'm sorry, man, but in this modern day of, you know, iPads and iPhones and laptops and, you know, online courses and, um, you know, all of this other bullshit, you know, I think it's high time that we start rethinking education, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, sending our kids to you know, a school where, you know, they have to sit through, you know, classes and whatnot and they're learning stuff. You know, I think it's it's it it's probably past time that we reappraise and reevaluate and if necessary recreate that entire model to something that's a little bit more modern. You know what I mean? Because the way that things are right now, Tom, is 
I, honestly, it goes a little bit too far out of scope for what this episode is supposed to be all about, and God knows what you wrote your email about. But I think there's... I think that if we, meaning America, if we don't update and refine and, if necessary, revolutionize our educational system at some point in the next 50 to 100 years, that's it. Lights out. You know, we are going to have to adjust to the fact that we live in a different world now than the one room schoolhouse covered covered wagon model of education, you know. And again, it would kill me if you thought that I was insulting you or your profession, and I don't want you to think that. I'm just saying that, you know, we're talking about a model whose day has come and gone, you know. And I think it's time that we start rethinking a lot of this stuff, you know. And who knows, maybe there's an episode in there about that as well. But the idea is that, you know, I don't think that bullying is as difficult to overcome as people want to make it out to be. But I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic here. Anyway, uh, Tom goes on to say, wow, that was long-winded. Anyway, like I said, this could be a show on its own, but I wanted to at least shed some more light on, uh, on the topic. Oh, and by the way, after listening to your show, I took an online Myers-Briggs test, and I came, and it came up as INFJ. Reading the results, I saw a fair amount of accuracy, but some things were a little bit off. But it was fun to see, and it's been fun listening to you explore that on your show. I'm going to put Tom's email back on pause and say, Yeah, you know, Tom, you know, the instant I read that part of your email... Yeah, you know, um, I mean, obviously you know yourself a lot better than I do, but... Yeah, uh, Tom Panarese is INFJ. I could see that. Absolutely. So, not, not a big surprise, I must say. So, anyway, for those of you who want to, you know, want to send me your Myers-Briggs results, uh, I'm kind of interested to find out about this because, I mean, at least as it relates, you know, to, uh, you know, to me, because I'm an INTJ, uh, at least as it, you know, as it... As it goes for me, I, I at least find this to be a, a a fascinating subject. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, this is, it's not necessarily for everybody. You know, some people are going to find this, you know, more interesting than others. But one of the things that is kind of undeniable is that, you know, me as an INTJ and Tom as an INFJ, he and I, um, we are... And this is like a psychological type, you understand. Um, he and I are companions, right? There are a bunch of different, you know, type relationships that you might have. There's pal, complement, contrast, supplement, anima, sweet mate, cohort, companion, tribes. And it just, it goes on and on and on, right? And so as it goes for me and Tom, he and I are companions to one another. And as it turns out, you know, I think that Tom might actually be one of the louder cheerleaders for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. And certainly I take every opportunity that I can to champion pop culture affidavit. I like Tom on a personal level. I think he's just a really cool guy. You know, not, you know, kind of irrespective of whether he has a blog and a podcast or whether or not, or whether he doesn't. I just kind of like him on more like a personal level, you know? And so I do find a fair amount of accuracy in all of this. And so, you know, I think it's interesting, so if you find it interesting, by all means, send me your Myers-Briggs personality test results, and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe we can talk about them on mic again, but anyway. So, that, I think, is pretty much it for me this week, so 
Bye, everybody. I will see you next time.